And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to our Lads and Powers. This is Scott Powers with Mark Lazarus. Mark, hello. How you doing, Scott? Doing well. I'm doing well. Sunday afternoon. It's uh, weather's been nicer the last few days, so uh, it's it's nice to get outside. Of course, socially distancing, but uh, it's been uh, just. I feel like it's another like area. Like we have a little porch that we can go out to, and just one more area that we can explore within the shelter in place. So it's. I'll uh, be honest. I, I I I have a lot. I feel for everyone who lives in the city. I mean, I'm out in the suburbs, so we've had a backyard. We live on a dead end street. The kids can ride their bike up and down. We got a. Uh, an empty bike trail that we can use this whole time for 50 days. I can't imagine, you know, I have friends that live in the city that have no green space at all, no outdoor space. And they've basically been in their house with their kids for 50 days now. And, uh, yikes, I don't know how you do it. Yeah, no, we, uh, we actually, we got in the car yesterday. We were going to go search for some grass and then it started raining, but we, we found a couple of areas where we think where there will be, uh, not a lot of people. So we, we kind of scouted some areas for the future, but yeah, that's certainly the challenge. We're certainly, I've always, I almost dropped my mic here. Um, the, uh, yeah, we had thought about the suburbs in the past and just always loved living in the city. And now it's kind of come back to bite us. So, um, yeah, so there is, uh, yeah, nice. Finally, finally, I win for living in Indiana of all places. Yeah. Finally. Uh, well, the, the, the taxes and all those things are wins too, I believe. So yeah, except they don't like plow our roads or have schools with <laughs> teachers that get paid. So <laughs> yes. Um, so we, we we finally have something to really talk about. Um, something obviously very unexpected, and, and John McDonough being fired. And uh, I, you know, it's funny. I I saw you guys talking about it on Slack before. Then I actually saw the press release. Like it was you and our editors had written something really quick like wow and then i was like whoa and then i had to go to email really quickly and then see what happened but it was it was obviously a, a shock and you know considering what rocky words had said you know a month ago and uh kind of where you where we you know assumed that john mcdonough's place was in the organization if something was going to happen it'd probably be underneath him and um you know if i was betting on it i you know at least of the, the pair of people we've talked to who could possibly lose their job he was certainly the the one I would have had the longest shot, you know, with odds. Yeah, I mean, you just figure he was kind of untouchable. I mean, he's the business genius that, 
you know, made the Blackhawks into a money-making venture when they were a joke. They were, you know, we always talk about it in 2004. That's just three years before he took over as president. They were rated the worst professional franchise in North American sports by ESPN, and it wasn't even close. I mean, they were that bad. I mean, the Clippers and the New York Islanders and some other teams were, were bad too, but nothing like the Blackhawks. And so we just kind of assumed he was untouchable. And the crazy thing is, is it's been a week now, and we still have no idea why. We have, well, nothing official at least, no, any reasons why, what the plan is moving, moving forward. I mean, the night it happened, I wrote a column talking about, let's, you know, maybe they should be hiring a president of hockey operations, and we came up with a list of names. The next day, you would talk to some people, and the, the general sense was that, you know, Bowman and Colleton are actually fine, and this was a one-off, and maybe things won't change. Maybe it'll just be another business person. Maybe Danny Wirtz is going to keep the job and, and, and pull a Dick Cheney and, and, and head up the search, the search firm that winds up settling on himself. It's been a week, and there's no clarity. The Blackhawks are still the only team in the NHL that are on complete lockdown with the media. Players aren't available. Coaches aren't available. General managers not available. And presidents aren't available. So we have had gotten, other, other than a press release, We've got nothing. We have no idea what's going on right now. Yeah, I mean, we put in an official request for Danny Words and Rocky Words, and we're told someday, but obviously not right now. And uh, and I know I, we, we've been trying with sources and stuff, and I'm keeping sure they're keeping this very close to the vest, what it seems. And you know, I was told that uh, you know Danny and Rocky had put out some information to executives, but nothing, uh, you know, nothing too concrete or explaining exactly what's going to happen. Um, there are a lot of people who feel that Danny Wirtz are, is going to, you know, remain in the job, but that it's not to say that there isn't uh, an expansion of the hockey ops de- department. Where, um, you know, if you're talking about the business side, Danny Wirtz might make sense. You know, he, he's he's led a lot of uh, different parts of the Wirtz, you know, Wirtz enterprises. You know, especially on the uh, the alcohol part, and he and he's done some of the creative aspects. And you know, from what uh, you know, from what John Greenberg learned, and, and certainly what we heard over time too, that, that maybe there was some butting of the heads between uh, John McDonough and Danny Words. And when it came to the creative side, and and John McDonough obviously prides himself as you know as a, as a person in marketing, and, and that's how he came up with the Cubs, and certainly had a big influence on on, on the, how the Blackhawks presented themselves over the last you know over the last decade or so. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Danny Wirtz were to remain in place, and you know, if he makes sense as the business side. But again, I don't think the Blackhawks want to go down that same route of, um, you know, I, I think there are a lot of benefits to having more layers in place. And you know, even you know, we come up with a list of candidates, and you know, I talked to Mike Gillis, who was one of the person, you know, one of the people that we had talked about as a possibility, and, and he's all for. Um, more of kind of what they do in the Premier League and some other organizations where you have like four assistant general managers and you have more people who have specified roles and you kind of expand it. And um, I don't know if necessarily going that route, but but at least having something more, a little bit more complex than what the Blackhawks have now, because I felt like they fell into some traps with, uh, you know, maybe John McDonough overseeing a little bit too much of the hockey department or having a stay or, um, but I, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised about Danny Wirtz, but I, I would be surprised if there wasn't uh, at least another layer placed within the hockey ops side. And frankly, there probably should be. I mean, that's how teams are run these days. The, the The modern style of running a team is you have a president of hockey ops who makes the big firing and hiring decisions, who builds the infrastructure of, of the decision-making process. And then you have some, you know, young whiz kid GM who's a capologist come in, who's big on analytics and, and can kind of handle that aspect of it and, and, and work the, the minutia of this. So, 
you know, there's a you know a lot of thing. A lot of us are speculating that maybe Stan Bowman gets bumped up to that president of hockey ops, and then they can bring in another younger voice. And for not that Stan's an older voice, but he's been around for a long time. He's the longest tenured person in the organization since the the mid to early early two thousands. He's been there forever. So if you're looking for some fresh voices, that's a way to get it in. Um, there's a lot of names being thrown around. A lot of internal candidates, Pete Hassan and Al McIsaac. The names getting thrown around. There's a lot of external candidates. A lot of people would want this job if it were to come available, to be the president of Hockey Ops of the Blackhawks or even vice president of Hockey Ops because you're splitting the business titles with the Danny Wirtz type. Um, so there's a lot of interest. You know, I've talked to a lot of people who are interested in this job. Uh, they don't want to get their names out there quite yet because they don't want to be seen like they're angling for it and things like that. But the fact is even these people don't know if this job exists because the communication just hasn't been there yet. And the Blackhawks, I think, I, the, the way this was done, it sounds like everybody was taken by surprise by it. So I don't think the Blackhawks are ready to move on this decision yet because they're still figuring out what to do next because this whole decision happened so quickly and out of nowhere. What does change actually look like other than changing of the person? You know, like what if Danny Words comes in or, you know, what what's the actual change that's in place other than him um, moving McDonough out where, you know, when I look at the marketing side and the business side, I don't see many gaps in it as of late you know i mean it's a lot of it's tied to the team's success on the ice and i mean they were still selling out and 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 you know they've gotten a little bit more creative with how they sell tickets and certainly having standing room only but I, you know i feel like they've done a lot where they've still been able to you know obviously still sell out games and have the streak going and um popularity's it's waned a bit i'm sure um you know overall and in, in the whole blackhawks nation and, and certainly with i'm sure the tenants um, you know, the secondary market and, and when you look at some of the TV numbers have probably been affected. But overall, I don't, you know, I'm not sure when it came to the business side that John McDonald was failing. Like there was, um, obviously they've been clinging to a lot of the, a lot of things of the past and still the one goal campaign and all those things. But I, I, I just don't see a lot of ways that they had fumbled this yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, on it, I'm sorry. My kids are in the backyard right now. I have a window to the backyard and they're looking around for a sprinkler to run in because it's 85 degrees out and they are just ransacking the garage in the shed right now looking for the sprinkler <laughs> and I am terrified of what's going to happen and what they're going to step on and what they're going to wind up finding back there. <laughs> so I lost my train of thought a little bit here. Um, I, I, I guess uh, let, let's let's make you your Rocky Wirtz. What yeah. do you do? What's your, what's your path forward here if you're Rocky Wirtz and you have total control over all this? At some level, I think it makes sense if, if Danny Wirtz is who's going to succeed or if he's going to eventually have um, larger roles within within the Blackhawks. You know, I, I think he's been behind the scenes a bit. He's he certainly played a role in other organizations, and he's had a little bit of a say in the Blackhawks, but mostly behind the scenes, largely probably because of John McDonough. So if, if he's someone, you know, he's, uh, I think he's about 43, around that age. Um, if he's someone who's going to have a larger voice and a larger say in the years to come, then I think starting to put him in a role like this would make sense. Um and you know, if you're giving him more of a creative outlet, and and you trust him in that, then then go with it. I, it, it certainly is a son, and and he's put him in other places. Rocky's put Danny in other places of control, and he he's he seemed to have success. Um, but I don't know what makes Danny any more qualifying than John McDonough on the hockey side, and I, I think that's uh, that's the key, and that's where I think a lot of Blackhawks fans are interested in. If you're talking about actual change. Um, I don't think it just can be Danny Words for John McDonough. I, I think it's you need to bring in some sort of 
even bringing in somebody internal in the business side or whomever or hiring an external business side, I don't think that changes so much what the Blackhawks are. I think it's you need to make the change within the hockey side. And it's not firing Stan Bowman or Jeremy Colleton. You know, I, I, I think you, um, you know, you know, even talking to Mike Gillis, I don't think if he was the one hired that he'd come in and fire people. I think it's more he would want to add more layers to it where people have more defined jobs. So um, even if you do bring in more of a president of hockey ops, I, I think – um, I, I'm sure that Rocky Wirtz and Danny Wirtz will have a say of, um, you know, the fact that Rocky's already stood behind, uh, you know, he stood behind McDonough and it didn't, it didn't matter, but maybe the fact that he also stood behind Colleton and Bowman, that maybe it does matter. So maybe he has a say is that I want this to play out how it is. And in time, you can have it to say, you know, say of who remains as your coach or GM. But um, I think adding someone on the hockey side ultimately is the part that brings change because if you're still going with what you've had, um, and, and, and they certainly had some different philosophies of adding younger players and, and different things, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see an actual change unless they, they alter something on the hockey side. Well, there just needs to be some kind of, again, we've been talking about this for years, but now it's more pronounced than ever direction. There's no, we need something definitive from the top here, because let's say, you know, we had this crazy plan here to have the NHL draft in June, which is, just seems like madness and mm-hmm. wildly unfair to me in a lot of ways. Um, you know, if, if you're leaving Stan Bowman twisting in the wind right now about his future because you don't know who this president's going to come in and if he's going to want to make changes or not, you know, how does he conduct that draft? If you come back and you actually get to play the last 12 games of the regular season in July or August, how do you leave Jeremy Carlton twisting in the wind like that? Not knowing what, you know, th- there's, a, there's a lame duck uh, uh, environment you're creating, whether or not they're going to be fired or not. You need to be clear about this. And now that a month ago, six weeks ago, Rocky Wirtz said, you know, that these guys were coming back and now one of them isn't, how can we take their word for it? There's a lot of, you know, uncertainty in the air now. Once you fire John McDonough, especially after saying that you wouldn't fire him, it's really hard for anyone to feel very secure in their jobs. That's kind of what I wrote the night that this happened is, you know, all bets are off now. Every, all options are on the table once you do this. And that's why, you know, if you're going to have a draft in four weeks, which, again, ridiculous, stupid idea. If you're going to have that draft, Stan Bowman needs to know if he's going to be the general manager of the Blackhawks moving forward. You have to f- either move very quickly on hiring a president or, or you know, lay down the law that whoever comes in is not going to be allowed to make these decisions because there needs to be some kind of future and direction and definition of what's happening now. Otherwise, you're going to have the weirdest – this is already going to be the weirdest summer in hockey history. You're going to yeah. make it almost just untenable for, for Colleton and Bowman. Yeah, I, I don't – I just I don't see how you you can move people with so many different yeah it, it just becomes so complicated and yeah it, it's uh, if it, it'd be interesting you know at this point it's just I, I feel like we're throwing darts at a wall right now just right because nobody because they haven't said anything yet tell us yeah, something yeah <laughs> um, and and the fact that they they mentioned in the press release that they wanted to see the organization make changes on and off the ice and it's you know it's all it's all up and for interpretation at this point and um but the, but the draft and i mean if we're talking about a draft in the month i mean that's it seems strange because it would be sooner than you would have if you had the actual season and 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 i don't know what's how they can do this fair either i mean how do they decide who's if you're going completely by points percentage or having some sort of lottery and then the conditional picks and yeah, let's let's talk about this draft for a little bit because you know, let's you know if you're a Blackhawks fan, it's got to infuriate you, right? Because I mean, think of the difference it made last year when you won the lottery and moved from twelve to three. Now the NHL saying, well, this time you can only move up to 
from 9 to 5. And no matter what, we're guaranteeing the Detroit Red Wings, one of our marquee franchises, either the one or the two pick, which is kind of bullshit. Uh, it, 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 everything about this just feels so squirrely. All the, all the trades that happened with the conditional picks, uh, all the trade activity that happens at the draft because the season's over. The NHL wants to do this because they want to have control of the... They, they, they saw the NFL draft. They saw the attention it garnered. Hell, they saw the WNBA draft and the, and the, and the record ratings it got because there's no sports right now, and they want to take advantage of that. And that's a really stupid reason to hold a draft. The draft is far too important for so many different reasons to have it just because you think you might get a little extra coverage on SportsCenter that night. It's, this is just an asinine idea. Yeah, and the, the trade aspect is so huge because, especially with where the cap's gonna be, that there there are gonna be some teams that are really in cap hell here again quickly. And moving pieces at the trade, you know, at the draft would probably be a huge part of this. I mean, you think of all of the Blackhawks draft day trades in, in in years past and how significant those have been. I, I, you're not already altering the landscape of what this season is, but you're also altering next season and years going forward. You know, if the, the teams, it's not as if those teams are going to be trading players if there's a possibility of a season returning this year. And um, I mean, honestly, you probably can't, right? Because the trade deadline already occurred. So right. how, how, do, how do you how do you actually play that out? So yeah, there's just, two, and, and again, I get why the NHL is, is wanting to do this, but it, it doesn't make sense. And I'm, and I'm hoping that the, the board of governors ultimately come to their senses too and, and, and see what it, you know, I guess what it is for. And, um, yeah, I, yeah I, Al, Al, Alan Walsh, you know, the, the, the agent was, was tweeting yesterday that the NHLPA has to sign off on it too, which you wouldn't necessarily think of because it's not an NHLPA kind of event. It's the, it's the, it's the draft, but any changes to the major events on the sports calendar have to be negotiated with the players association, according to Alan Walsh. And I think that the players would be, they would look at this kind of, you know, with a with a wary eye because it just seems like such a bad idea for so many reasons. So we're hoping, I'm hoping that the players save us from the governors. Yeah, no, it's and again, even as a, as a you know as a writer, this would give us something to write about. And certainly, oh, it'd be great for us, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but it takes away a lot of you know the trade things are such a huge aspect of it, and it's yeah, I even though from an evaluation standpoint, I'm sure that a lot of these scouts have been continuing to do their jobs, and, and there's certainly been some tournaments and stuff and games that they would have evaluated more. And there's a lot of video, but um, it just could cut back some cuts back on the time that it's allowed to evaluate. And I'm sure at some level, they'd love to have some uh, interviews taken, you know, still be able to do some interviews with some of these prospects and, and trying to get as much uh, research once they, you know, once you figure out where you're drafting and then kind of narrowing that down. So um, and even with, and, and, and I know I'm, I'm going to write about some of the next few days where I talk to uh, someone in emergency medicine and uh, the idea of bringing back the season and, and none of this seems realistic and maybe it's where we live and, and you see the numbers just continue to increase and, and nothing really becoming stable yet. And I know this isn't the same way across the country and throughout North America, but it's just, it, it's hard for me to fathom hockey um, being played anytime soon still. It's crazy to me. I agree with you, and we we really haven't had a chance to talk about some of these proposals that have been floating around because we've you know we've been having you know Steve Larmer and Christopher Stieg on the show and everything like that. Um, a lot of these ideas are are just they're insane to me. Like, did you see the one that uh, was it uh, that Mark Spector uh, of Sportsnet? Uh, had in his story he, it was crazy because he like buried the lead man this was like way deep in his story and it was like two paragraphs and it was crazy idea and he said the most popular idea right now is to have the top six teams in every division <laughs> 
play against each other basically in, in, in centralized locations, like each division. So like a team like the Rangers who were like one point out of the playoffs wouldn't make the playoffs, but a team like the Sabres who were like 150 games below 500 would make the playoffs. The Blackhawks wouldn't make it. So you'd, you would keep out two of your marquee franchises in the Blackhawks and the Rangers to get like the Anaheim Ducks and Buffalo Sabres in. I mean, some of these proposals that are out there are just, they're crazy to me. Like, look, no matter what happens, there's going to be a massive asterisk on this Stanley Cup if it actually gets awarded. And I think there's a lot of uncertainty whether it does or not. But some of these proposals are just, they're just goofy. If you're going to do that, just have everybody get in, right? I mean, none of this makes any sense right now. No, no, it it really doesn't. And and even now, just it's the hurdles of bringing everyone back into the North America and uh, and, and then do you allow practices or do you allow them in, in your host, you know, your home city? Because Chicago doesn't seem like a realistic part where they uh, I'm sure they even want people practicing in, in large groups like that, at, uh, you know, whether at uh, the practice arena, the United Center or wherever. And um, and I don't know, you know, if, I, if I'm in a safe place right now, I don't know if I want to come back to Chicago or, you know, like it's just um, I'm also if, if I'm in one of these host cities they're talking about and maybe it's just an area that's, you know, they're going to pick an area that where there hasn't been as much outbreak. Do you want. You know, do you want all these teams coming in your area too? Because there's always uh, the threat of them bringing it into your area. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It feels like, and that was part of the thing we're talking with the, this doctor over the last few days was just a lot of these questions I wanted to have about how testing would actually occur. What, what, what are the? It was interesting because she has wasn't really thinking about sports and how it relates to it. But then I brought this in and made her think in a different way, and then we had an interesting discussion. And um, but. Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like there's so many different obstacles of this occurring, and I, and I get why the league is exploring all these options and how important that money is. I just, I, I, I yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I can't wrap my head around them playing in in July, August, and you know maybe even the fall. I was glad to see Phil Deneau, uh the Canadian center, a former Blackhawks, say that. Look, you know, I'm not so sure that guys are going to want to be out there quarantine from their families for three or four months just to get this done. Now, he's playing for the Canadians. He probably doesn't have to worry about it. But at the same time, I'm sure there's a lot of players that are thinking, I don't want to be away from my family for three, four months for this bizarre little playoff thing that they're doing. I'm sure a lot of them would be all about it. They they want to get it. Any chance they can get to the cup, they want it. But it's, it's a huge ask to these guys because you can't bring your families with you the way they're doing this. Everybody would be quarantined. Everybody would be like, you know, in a bubble basically. And then... And then, of course, what happens the first time someone tests positive and someone is going to test positive, then do you shut the whole thing down? Can you remove that person and, and, and anyone he's been affiliated with or in contact with? And then the whole the whole system crumbles. Like, look, I want to see the playoffs. I want to see the rest of the regular season. I want to see sports now. But it's just not realistic and it's not safe. Any of the ways that the, that the league, the NBA, same thing. The NBA is opening up because because the crazy idiot governor in Georgia is opening up his state, all of a sudden all the NBA players were going to go fly to Georgia so they could practice. So now the whole NBA is like, well, we're going to try to open up our practice facilities. And, you know, all of this is happening so soon, way too soon, um, you know, despite what the idiots on my Twitter mentions are saying in the last 12 hours since I tweeted about this last night, this is too soon. And for sports, of all things, this is just not realistic to me that this is going to happen. This all still feels like a pipe dream. NHL is dead set on doing this. They think they're going to pull it off. The NBA, too. I just don't see how it's possible. We might not see sports till 2021. Everyone I've talked to, too, you know, we were doing an anonymous poll for with with, uh, with the Athletic and, and just talking to players about this. I mean, they, most of them seem to be uh, just believing that the canceling the season is the best option, you know, where they just uh, 
Um, I, the one person I talked to said, you know, rip, rip the rule book in half, burn it, and figure it out next season. You know, just I, I think uh, everyone's to the point where it's it feels like it's being forced at this point. And, um, yeah, I I don't know. It, it, it's, it, and you're going to have to need the players to buy into this. And um, at some point, the players are going to speak more freely. And if some of them are against it, it'll, it'll be interesting too. You know, what, ha- what happens if, like, 12% of the players don't want to do this? Yeah. And they refuse to do it. They, they refuse to put themselves in harm's way. They refuse to be separated from their families. Do you go through with it? I mean, what, what percentage is too many? Like, if, 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 if one of these top teams that, that has a legitimate chance at the Stanley Cup, what if their superstar player says, fuck this, I'm not going to be away from my family for the next three months during a pandemic? What do you do? Like, that's what they, this is all assuming this perfect world scenario where everything's getting better and everyone's on board and all this is feasible and nobody ever tests positive again. It just all seems, I hate to be a Debbie Downer about it because I want to see sports as much as anybody, but it just doesn't seem realistic. And it's not even just the players. I mean, the players, if they got it, you know, most likely, most of them, you know, like there won't be any issues. Uh, but th- but there's personnel, team personnel that is going to have to be around the team or, or coaches and whoever who are more in the age bracket and um where where you know like it's a little bit more serious so i i think you know you're putting people at risk too that um would be better off sheltering in place and, and being away from any possibility and uh and there's so much risk reward in this but it, yeah i don't if, if it goes wrong and, and, and maybe everything goes right but if one thing goes wrong it just it, it seems like it, it could be a real nightmare yeah it's just it seems like you're setting yourself up to be you know just in hindsight look like the dumbest people alive and i that's that's my concern as you come you, you you know you're trying to do a good thing i get it you want your business to succeed and you want you know people to have sports to watch and you and it's good for everybody but in the end you might be doing something that just makes things worse and i think i feel like that's the path we're going down yeah. and and the one thing i mentioned you last few days ago was, was you know ultimately if finances are hurting you maybe you become more creative and you know the one idea i had, i brought to you was about putting logo um you know sponsorship on jerseys and um and maybe that's not something that the nhl isn't ready for yet but i, I think these times are going to force the nhl and other leagues to explore different ideas um where where you can make up some of this money because um, you know what even if you do bring back the season you're going to lose some lose some money and uh, certainly a lot of the gate receipts and uh, the concessions and all that. So I-, I wonder if the league starts thinking about, you know, ideas outside the box of ways to, to make up this money. And, and, and I imagine when it starts hurting the player's paycheck too, that they'll be more receptive to those sort of type of things where what makes sense to keep this viable. And, um, and even, you know, if we go into next season with, you know, who knows if when the season can start and whether you can have fans there and, um, I, they just see so many answers, you know, so many questions about it, and then it certainly affects affects everyone's paycheck. You know, I just I wonder if if the league and other leagues start exploring different ideas. Yeah, it's not just a salary capping. That's what people need to understand too. I, I saw some proposal where it's like, well, every play, every team gets an exceptional player uh, uh, exemption, where your best player doesn't count against the cap. Uh, well, that's still ten million dollars that that owner is still shelling out in yeah. a business that just got hit pretty hard. And some of these guys are super multi-billionaires and can handle it, but not every team is really structured that way. So there's a million things that could go wrong and a million factors that have to be taken into consideration. And, you know, just having the draft in early June isn't going to alleviate those problems. Yeah. And, and it's the same thing with the compliance buyouts too. Like ultimately they're still going to have to pay out money for those players. Right. And That's it real fixes, money. Some of, fixes some of the cap issue, but it doesn't fix the financial issue. And, and we're seeing that with throughout some of the teams, obviously people, teams furloughing employees and, um, how some teams have gone about this and um, 
yeah, it's, uh, and in time, there's only going to be more questions and more issues that come up financially as, um, just running this organization. Even, you know, I think the, the AHL thing is even interesting too, where some of these teams aren't, uh, owned by, owned by, you know, the organization. So it's, it's, you know, teams like Rockford are owned by, um, you know, more owned by the city and, 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 you know, you have others, you know, like the Wolves too, that are, um, you know, that usually it finances and it's a lot of it's involved too. So I, I'm curious how this is going to affect the AHL and how it affects um, running those teams next year too. Cause I think there's a concern that some teams won't be able to run, especially if there aren't fans and how that, uh, you know, they've been talking about maybe more teams co-oping and um, yeah, there, there's so many different questions and I think issues that we've yet to really focus on. They're going to come up over time with this. So if you're looking for the summary of this podcast, we don't know what's happening with the Blackhawks. We don't know what's <laughs> happening with the NHL. We don't know what's happening with the pandemic, and we're all uh, screwed. Yep. Happy days. Yes. Uh, On the plus side, my kids did find the sprinkler. Nice, nice. And I, I don't see anyone hemorrhaging blood anywhere. Yeah. Um, on the more positive side, too, is that uh, you and I and, and Scott Burnside have a fun piece coming out this week, and, um, you know... Uh, I feel like something, at least something different. And, and, and we certainly have some other story ideas that we're going to start exploring. And um, I'm, I'm sure if more talk about the draft, I'm sure there we can dive a little deeper into, you know, where the Blackhawks might pick and look in some of those prospects. And um, yeah, it's uh, not, not having the access is it's made it a little bit of a hurdle, but I feel like we're getting by and we, we certainly have some more, more ideas to come. Yeah. We're hoping that at some point the Blackhawks will allow uh, players and, and coaching staff and everyone to communicate with us again uh, so we can bring you more uh, stories that make a little more sense than some of the random stuff we're throwing against the wall right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully maybe we can maybe do some of these more interviews too where they, uh, certainly the Verstig one was a strange time with the John McDonough stuff coming so quickly right after but if anyone gets a chance to go back the, the Verstig was really interesting and was a uh, yeah, entertaining conversation. But until then, uh, we'll be back here next week with another podcast about nothing. And uh, it worked for Seinfeld. Maybe it'll work for us. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. Won't you let me try? As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.